Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. So today, as we look at the sixth and final uh, core value, it's entitled Pursue Missionally. Pursue Missionally. And I want you just for a moment to think about a couple questions I'm going to ask you, and I want you just to consider it. If you were asked, what is the mission of your church, what would you say? What would you say is the mission of our church? Now I want to make it even more personal. If somebody came up to you and they said this, I know you're a follower of Jesus and you're a Christian and all that. What is your mission as a believer, as a follower of Jesus? What's your mission? Those are really good questions because they help us do the hard work of digging down and reminding us the very essence of why we exist. I know I was thinking of a few different uh, groups and I thought about the mission of the police, protect and serve, right? I thought about the, the, the mission of teachers to educate and instruct. I thought about, you know, the, the mission of sometimes athletes is to win, if it's the NFL, to win the Super Bowl. That's their mission. That's, you know, a great season is not a great season unless you win the big prize. And I thought about, what about the church? What's the mission of the church? And do we have a clear understanding of what that looks like. So today we're gonna to look at it, we're gonna look into uh, some scriptures and talk about the mission of the church. So I'm gonna invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, and in verses 18 through 20, we have what's known as the Great Commission. The Great Commission where Jesus instructs the disciples, he says this, I'm about ready to leave to the Father, and before I go, I want to instruct you about some things. Now, every parent knows this. The last things you tell your kids before they go on a trip or you go on a trip or you're separated for some time, the last thing you say is usually very important. I have four kids, and they're grown for the most part uh, at this time. I have a couple still in the last uh, years of college. But... As, as they get older, even when they leave now, I go, now, don't forget, and I'll fill in the blank, because that's important. And then they go to the car, and we're in the house, and they're saying that, and they get in the car, and they roll down the window, and I go, don't forget, and they're like, Dad, I know. And they're halfway home, and I call them, hey, baby, how you doing? Don't forget such and such. And they're like, all right, I get it. We, we find value. We, we, we know that that's an important thing. We want them to know something very, very important before we are separated. And so Jesus says he is with the disciples. He's about ready to ascend to the Father. He says this, guys, I want you to know this. This is critical 
And this is what he says. In verses 28, or chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first thing that I want you to see in this passage is that we need to have a clear understanding of mission. What is our mission? As believers, collectively, as a church, what is our mission? I think Jesus in this passage reminds us what that is. He, he clarifies with the disciples, listen, I could say anything. He didn't sit there and go, guys, listen, you need to get deep with me, man. We need, you, you need to reflect on everything that I have shared with you and just get like really close and morally pure and all of this good stuff. No, he didn't do that. He didn't say, you must be holy, you know? Although holiness and godliness are important, but they're not the mission. They aid us, they support us, they are things that are important to the mission, but they are not the mission. The mission is make disciples. So share the good news of the gospel with those in the world around us. I find it interesting in this passage that as Jesus commissions them, the first word he tells them is this word, go. Go. This wasn't a mission that was going to happen in a building. It was like, go to the temple and just hang out there and lost people are going to come to you and tell them about me. No, he says, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations, but go. It's this idea that God has sent, God sent Jesus, the Father sent his son Jesus. Jesus sends us, and we hear that from him even here, and then he sent his spirit. So we have ascending God, this idea that we are a sent people, that our mission is to go into the world around us and to share the gospel. I look at the life of Jesus as maybe the, the greatest example. I, I, I love this. I would challenge you to look in scripture and see how many times he was actually in the temple like teaching. Not that many. I think the one that comes to mind right now when he was in the temple, he was flipping over tables. Um, he was like, you know, my, my house is not a den of thieves, but a place of prayer. But what you see Jesus is you see him out there with people who are marginalized, uh, just in, in many respects, far from him. Very simple. If you go to John 4 and you see the woman at the well, married several times. You see the tax collector, uh, a shyster, you might call him. And Jesus is hanging out with him. And you know who was criticizing him? The religious folks. The Pharisees in there are like, oh, what's he doing with them? You know, I don't know what's happening. That's why he came. 
The mission of Jesus was to redeem the world. The mission he gives his disciples is, a met, is the mission of, of sharing this incredible message of redemption and reconciliation. The mission he gives us is the same. We must know our mission. Our mission is not to grow just numbers of the church, have a lot of community groups, have deep Bible studies, although all of that would be awesome. The mission is to see people come to Christ and have their lives transformed. For us, our mission is this. We, we say this all the time. Our mission as a church is we believe God wants to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to see, hear, and be transformed by the gospel as we live faithful lives of worship. As we talk about that, the, there are several key things in there. As we live faithful lives of worship there at the end, it talks about holiness and godliness and all of the things as we grow in Christ that helps us in the mission he's called us to. But it's not the mission. Where's the holiest place you can be? Uh, on your knees? I'm, I'm going to say probably the holiest place we could be is in heaven. No sin there. You know, God doesn't save us. You know, we come to Jesus and we have our sins forgiven and, and our lives are transformed. And he goes, beam me up. You know, because that's the holiest place we could ever be. No, he says, while you're here, you have a mission that's far greater than just calling you home. And so we must understand the mission that we have. The other thing that we were very, very careful of in our mission statement is this. It wasn't just telling people about the gospel. It was showing them the gospel. I have people all the time say to me, he goes, well, it says um, with each man, woman, and child, it says to see, hear, and be transformed. But why did you say see first? Because they need to see Jesus in us, the gospel evidenced in us, so that then we can share the gospel through us. It's important we learn these things as we talk about the mission that God has called us to. So the first thing is we must have a clear understanding of our mission. The second is this, we must intentionally engage the mission. I think the first thing to go within the context of a church is mission. We, we'll, uh, we, we can have great music. We can have good Bible studies. Oh, man, did you hear about this Bible study? Ooh, man, it got deep. It was good. It really was great for me, which is awesome. But we can get so self-focused that we have lost any sight of mission at all. All of those things are not bad. They're good but they should help us as we pursue the very mission that God has called us to. I'm going I'm to share a few things. I want you to, to really just sit in this moment and think about them. Some might be a little controversial. Yeah, why not? Right? And then I want to read a couple passages of Scripture that really support these truths. The first one is engaging mission is not about holding 
an evangelistic outreach event, although it could include it. Engaging mission isn't just about an outreach event, although they're important. God can use them. Engaging mission isn't about inviting somebody to church, although it's fantastic and we hope you do. This is the one that could be a little bit more controversial. Engaging mission isn't about just sharing the gospel. People are, oh, slow the boat down. You realize that you can share the gospel and not really care about the person that you're sharing it with? I grew up in a, in a time in the church where we did a lot of what we call confrontational evangelism. And that is you, you look around and you find people and you go over and you share the gospel with them. You share the four spiritual laws or the Romans road and you get them to this point where they realize they're a sinner and Jesus came to save them and this and that and you, they pray a prayer and, you, and then you go, yeah, saw somebody come to faith today. I don't know anything about them, don't really, no relationship or anything, didn't really think about them. I just thought about the fact that I needed to share this information and then complete it. There were books written on how to draw the net, how to finish all of this. And I'm like, wow, really? I'm going to push back on some of that. And I want you to hear it through not just my voice, but the lens of scripture here. But I want you to know the first thing about engaging mission, it's about loving people. It's about loving people. That's where we need to begin. It's not just about sharing a message. It's about loving people. I want you to hear me today. Engaging mission. Mission is not about a project to be completed. It's about a people to be loved. Are you with me? It's not a project to be completed. It's a people to be loved. And I think we get this wrong more than we get it right. And we need to reorient the way we understand mission is that God has allowed us to engage in this incredible mission of loving people that may be different than us. People are not a project to be completed. They're people to be loved. I want to take you to a couple passages of Scripture Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Let's start there. And I want you to see what, in Matthew chapter 5, this is where Jesus, this is his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he speaks in this sermon these incredible words. Verse 13 of chapter 5, he says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? This is a powerful statement. Listen, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. If you lose the very essence of your purpose, of your mission, then everything else is worthless. He then goes on and he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a 
a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This idea that God has called us to be light to impact all of those around us. By the way we live, it would point to the Jesus that we serve. So the first thing is engaging mission is about loving people. The greatest commandment is what? Love God with all your mind, your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Number one commandment in all of scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, both. Hands down, done. Second greatest commandment is what? Go to church. <laughs> Doggone it. Be there on time. I might as well have fun. Um, no, it's not. It's about tithing. Give your money. Come on, people. No, it's, it's not. It's about love your neighbor as yourself. Second greatest commandment in all of Scripture that when we get our vertical relationship with God right, then start loving people that... Like, I love people. Hmm. Should I say? Yeah, why not? Um, I think we normally, like, we, we love people that we like and are, that think the same as us. You know, they might be of the same political party. And we're like, yeah, that's right. You know, we listen to the same political stuff. We support all that kind of stuff. Or maybe they believe the same about vaccinations as I do. Ouch. Maybe, maybe they see gender identity as the same as I do. You see, we get this wrong more than we get it right because of this. We think that people need to agree with us to love them. And we can love people and not support what they do. I can love someone who believes differently about a, a, a relationship. I can love them and not agree with them. I can love them of, if they're of a different political party than me, although we probably won't talk politics. But man, we build more barriers than we do bridges. We look around us and, and, and we have all kinds of barriers with the world around us. And the church has lost a sense of saltiness, of light shining in darkness. We need to really get this right. So the first one is engaging mission is about loving people. Engaging mission also involves more than a lifestyle. It does involve our conversation. For a long time, what happened in Christianity is this. We believe that just live in a way that's godly and somehow by osmosis, they're gonna learn about Jesus. So they're like, man, they keep bringing me brownies. I love these neighbors, you know? Or 
man, I keep, they keep serving me. I love that. Listen, you can do that all your life, and those are good things to do. But there are moments that the Spirit of God moves in our heart to say something. And it doesn't have to be weird, awkward, or goofy. It needs to be normal. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 say. This is so good. And I, I will just refer to this. It won't be up on your screen. But in verse 14 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, he says it's the love of God that compels us to do these things. So he says the fuel behind all of this sharing about Jesus is love. It's love. And then he says this. Listen, this is good. Verses 20 and 21. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There are moments where we need to share. You know, I think there are popular statements out there. It just says, go, just just." Live authentically before you, the people around you. Yes, I agree. But pray for opportunity to share the message of the gospel as well. The last thing is we must recognize the enemies of mission. I was thinking about this, and as I thought about it, I just wrote down a few things, and, and because these are things I've heard over the years. I'm going to be honest and say these are some things I've felt over the years. Enemies or barriers to mission. I don't know enough. I don't want to make a mistake. I'm not ready. I'm scared as far as sharing. And the one thing that I would say is not evident in all of those statements, they're all, they're all focused on you, not on the people. I'm scared, I don't know if I know enough. Listen, why, this isn't an information download. This isn't an argument. This is a moment to share the hope of Jesus with the people around us. You don't need to get it all right. He'll get it all right. We just need to be faithful and just step into moments. Another one that I hear often is, I'm afraid it could change my relationship with people. I want, I want you to think about this for a moment. Your, your faith in being on mission and, and living out authentically and sharing authentically about Jesus with your family, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with those around you, how... I, I think there's, there's fear like, I don't want our relationship to be damaged. I don't, a husband with a wife, uh, uh, parents with their children, children with their parents, brothers and sisters, coworkers, neighbors. You know, people really are concerned about this. I don't, I don't want this to ruin my relationship. I think the reason why there's such fear there is because we've done it wrong for so long. We go out and we're like, I got to give them the gospel. Hey, brother, do you have five minutes? 
I gotta share something deep with you. You're lost on your way to hell. Good news, God's coming to rescue you. I think he's using me as a messenger. You know, and we go through all of this information. We get this moment and we think we just got to somehow, you know, all of this in that moment. And they're like, what was that? What just happened? And it was like, I don't know. An awkward moment? Yes, an awkward moment. You know what would be cool? Is to be able to understand that as to do this the way Jesus did, is he met with people in real life and he shared real conversation. He didn't avoid tough conversations, but he said it in love. And if it's your brother, if it's your husband, if it's your coworker, the ability that the spirit of God moves in your heart and says, here's a moment you could share. Step into that moment and say, man, I love you. And let me, let me share how God has changed my life. And what that might mean for you. I don't know if you've ever considered your relationship with God. Man, that's offensive, isn't it? No, it's not offensive. It's caring. It's loving. We don't have to beat people over the head with the gospel. We can just love them where they're at. I don't have to worry. What if they don't accept it? It's not my job. So let me give you a couple things that are important as we recognize these enemies, how to then turn that around. First, we must remember that the mission, again, is about people, not a process. Second, we must remember that it's good news we have to share. Good news. How many of you, how many of you remember that the greatest news in the world is that the God who created us sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to forgive us of our shame, our regrets, our failures, our sins, and our past. You tell me that's not good news. I think we go about it wrong. God's gonna judge you. You know, you, you know you're throwing down all judgment. Listen, the greatest message in the Bible, it's not about judgment, it's about love that he took our judgment. That's the message. I deserve it. He took it. Man, is there, is there a better message than that? I don't think so. And yet somehow we get awkward and weird and we, it's almost like we're delivering a speech. No, we don't, don't deliver a speech. Share love. Share truth in love. And let them know, man, I got the best news. And no, your IRA didn't go way up. You didn't win the lottery. It's way better than that. Come on. It is. And somehow we, we, we forget that. The third one is there's no need for pressure. Only God can transform their heart. You know, I see people that just go all nervous and jerky. I don't know. I don't know if I did this. Listen, we don't have to worry about changing people. It's... God changes a heart. We get to be a part of what he's doing in the world around us. Share the message of love and truth and let the spirit of God stir in the life of people. And then fourth, remember it's personal. It's not about sharing a story. It's about sharing a story. 
Let me just say this, and it's probably a poor illustration. There was this, uh, several times I've had people come to the house, they knock on the door, and they're selling stuff. You know, and they've got this spray. I did buy it, though. (laughs) Guy was a great salesman. But, you know, they they talk about this stuff, and they're like, let me share with you, this is the best cleaner in the world. And I'm like, meh, 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 you know, whatever. Go on. So I listen to his spiel. The first thing I ask after they, they say that, I go, dude, you're, you're good. You're making money for college. What are you doing? You're just trying to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm beating the pavement and doing this. All right, next question is this. Do you own some? Did you buy some? This product that is so good. And if they answer no, man, I love you. My neighbor will probably love it. But I'm out. And sometimes I think we go to people when we talk about faith and it feels like this thing that's detached from our life and we've got to get this right, that it's the most powerful news in the world is the gospel, but the most powerful place that we see it is in life. Experienced in the life of a believer. Let me not just tell you about a God who loved you, but let me tell you about a God who loves you and that I came in relationship with when he forgave my sins, when he changed my eternal destiny, when he came and restored my relationship with him. That's the God I want to tell you about. I'm not welcoming you into any religion. I'm asking you to understand how amazing this news is that the God who created you would do this for you. He took your sin, he took your judgment, he took your past, he took your regrets, and he gave you hope, life, grace, forgiveness, and a future. I don't know. I don't think it would fly. That's not good news, is it? Truth is, that's great news. Let's not put it outside of our own life. I look at the Apostle Paul and he said, this is who I was. This is when I met Jesus and this is how he has changed me. So how do we get after this? How do we actually begin to do this right? Just as you leave here in the next minute, let me give you three things that God has used in my life to help shape this. Number one, pray for lost people. How many of you each day, you you pray for people who are far from God and, and you put them before God and you say, God, help me be a witness to them. You know what's amazing? is every time I do that, God gives opportunity just to, to be present and sometimes to speak. So it's incredible. So the first is begin to get your heart navigated toward mission, that it's about the world around me. It's not just about me becoming holy or me becoming godly or me becoming moral. It's about God redeeming his creation, God redeeming people. And he's given me this opportunity to join him. So pray for lost people. The second is this, be present with lost people. I don't know about you, but I love being at the church. 
I love just hanging out with all my Christian friends. But God has called us to be present in the world around us. Be present with people far from God. Be present. We need that. Jesus was. Third, serve in the community. Serve. And then share when God gives you opportunity. But ultimately, it's about loving people. So the mission, may we never lose sight of it. Not only may we not lose sight of it, but may we be energized by it. I've been doing full-time Christian ministry for probably, well, almost 30 years. Maybe more than that. What happens is when you get old, your mind goes. So it's, it's there somewhere. There's nothing that I have enjoyed more than seeing God transform a life. When seeing people wrestle with faith, not necessarily initially come to faith, but see them wrestle with faith and then eventually come to faith and see their life, see their relationships, see their future changed forever. It's our mission. It's our mission. So church, let's do this and let's do it well. Let's love people like Jesus loved people. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the words of scripture. God, allow us to embrace these truths, not as something that is detached from our life, but something that is the very essence of how we live. May the gospel be lived out every day through the way we act in what we say. And God, may you use this church, may you use your people as the light and the salt in this community, in our families, in our neighborhoods to make a difference for the kingdom. God, help us to love people like you love people. We give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for worshiping with us this week. My name's Elijah, and if this is our first time meeting, would you do me a favor and just go ahead and fill out a Connect card? We would love to touch base with you and answer any questions you might have. And so you can do that by going to gconline.org forward slash connect. And we are so, so thankful for the individuals who are faithfully giving to what God is doing here at Grace Chapel. But if this is your first time joining us, we don't want you to feel pressured at all in giving this week. We truly believe in planned giving, not pressure giving. But if God is calling you and, and compelling you to support what he's doing here at Grace Chapel, you can give online through our app or, going, or by going to gconline.org forward slash give. You can also send in your gift by mail. And lastly, we would love for you to stay connected with everything that's going on here at Grace throughout the week. And you can do that by downloading our app. It's super, super easy. You can go wherever you download apps, search Grace Chapel Skinny Atlas. But once you download the app, make sure that you enable notifications so that you can stay up to date and receive all the most important information. And lastly, you can follow us on social media on either Facebook or Instagram. And again, we are so thankful you joined us this week for worship and we can't wait to see you again soon.
Thank <laughs> you.